Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really needs your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene! Run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeart Radio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Uh, this episode is about a, uh, <laughs> a hilarious mistake, a goof, a doof, a whoopsie, a blunder. My name is Ben. A blender? A blending of blunders, perhaps. Yeah, a blending of blunders that on first blush seems a little unremarkable, but no, sir. No, sir, it was not unremarkable because it has to do with borders. We've been doing a little border theme lately. Remember we had that war between... What was it, Ohio and, and Michigan? Michigan yeah, Toledo war. They had that no man's land where no man knew who it belonged to because of the poor mapping and just poor, uh, what, speculation, right? Or um, Cartography. Cartography. That's the word, Ben. Such is the case in today's episode uh, where the U.S. accidentally built a military base on the wrong side of the uh, U.S.-Canada border. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, but there's more to it than that, isn't there? So in 1816, um, it became a big deal that we protect our border with Canada. Why, you might ask? And why is that, Noel? I'll tell you why, Ben. You th- We think of Canada as our mellow, you know, stoner neighbors to the north. Yeah, it's like it's uh, one time, I don't completely agree with this, one time, a friend of mine referred to Canada as Diet America. And I said, why is that? And they said, well, it's a little better for you. And I was like, you know nothing about the diet soda game, man. Walk also out of this true. analogy. Oh, we should give a shout out to our guest super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. He's like our Canada. He actually, he and, uh, he is Canada, he and super producer Casey Pegram are uh, very good friends outside of the show, the American version of Casey. 
It's funny, Casey, uh, he, he has his second life in Paris, France as Labouche. Labouche. But occasionally he carries on a third life as a logger in French Canada, mm-hmm. also goes by the moniker Labouche, wears a slightly different outfit, much more of a plaid, plaid flannel, kind of lumberjack yeah. flannel situation. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and he's he is an unstoppable force in the logging industry. And it all ties into his Parisian criminal empire. Uh, which which we should save for its own episode. I think we should. Because boundaries are important. Yeah, exactly. Speaking yeah. of boundaries, mm-hmm. so we're talking about Canada. We think of them as, the, as our friends, which they are. But at the time, I mean, they're still, what? What would you call them, Ben? A territory of the United Kingdom? Like, how, how are they connected to the United Kingdom? Well, the thing is that the British use Canadian land as a taking off point for invasions. So during both the American Revolutionary War and again in the War of 1812, British forces launch invasions down Lake Champlain with hopes of cutting America in two. And so the Madison administration says, this is a weak point. This cannot be happening. Uh, We have to do something. Harumph, harumph, harumph. Something must be done. We need a sick fortress. Mm -hmm. We need a dope AF fortress. That's the best solution. So they construct a modern heavy fort, modern for that day, on the New York shore of Lake Champlain, and they name the place Fort Montgomery in honor of General Richard Montgomery, a hero of the Revolutionary War. Yeah, and this dude named Joseph Totten, um, who later became the chief engineer of the U.S. Army, of the whole army. This guy meant business. He oversaw the construction, and it was a 30-foot-tall structure. It was made out of the same Vermont um, limestone that later was used to construct Radio City Music Hall and the Brooklyn Bridge, uh, and they built this thing up. It was going to have 125 cannon ports, and any ship that was passing by uh, on the British side was going to be given what for? Sounds great on paper. Here's the problem. This was an embarrassment on multiple levels, and we'll get to the big one in a sec, but just the building itself It was, as you said, uh, eight-sided, 30 feet high, but it was built on a weak, unstable foundation that was mainly composed of debris bought from ruins of the Plattsburgh batteries and outworks. So literally the foundations of this thing are weak. It it can't hold, and uh, it doesn't matter if it does hold because they figured out what was wrong pretty quickly. Yeah, at the most embarrassing time possible because Madison actually showed up to get a glance, to get a gander at the progress that his, uh, you know, that he had he had proposed this fort and that is when they realized that they had actually built the thing on the Canada side. Let's get a tire screech. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, you see, under the 1783 Treaty of Paris, the border between New York and Quebec was the 45th parallel, but the previous understanding of the location of that line of latitude was incorrect, a fact that surveyors did not discover until 1818. At this point, the U.S. has already spent $275,000 on construction. That is not chump change at the time. That is serious, big, imaginary military money. Yeah, let's let's inflation calculate this real quick. Here we go. 
$275,000 in 1818 is now worth approximately $5,533,519.69. Okay, so maybe nice. not like Avatar money, but, you know. $5 million? $5 million bucks for 5. a stone 5. structure. That's yeah. a lot. That's a lot for a stone structure. Mm-hmm. It's true. There wasn't even any, like, moving parts. There wasn't even any technology there involved. Probably windows. Windows, sure. Door hinges. That's right. <laughs> the, the original <laughs> moving parts. Uh, yeah, so this is this is a tremendous embarrassment, right? Uh, what what do they do when they figure out that this fort designed to protect the U.S. from Canada is, you know, in Canada? Yeah, and it wasn't until 1842 that this discrepancy about the borderline was resolved. There's something called the Webster-Ashburton Treaty that provided uh, the understanding that the original border was going to hold. The old line um, was, that was surveyed by Valentine and Collins in 1774, that was known as the 45th degree of north latitude and then became known as the actual divide between New York and Vermont on one side and the British province of Canada on the other. And from this is a quote actually from a neat Arama article and from said point of intersection west along the said divide lies as heretofore known and understood to the Iroquois as uh, or Sir Lawrence River. You know, this is back in the day when if you wanted stuff to sound totally profound, you added said, you just peppered in said at some point, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, our said guest producer, uh, Paul Deccan is agreeing here. So it's it's interesting because they tried to resolve the issue, but while they were resolving this, we have to remember this fort had been abandoned for decades. Locals are looting the construction site because the work stopped, you know, and uh, Fort Montgomery by the time 1842 comes around is widely known as Fort Blunder. But to to your point, Noel, after this uh, Webster-Ashburton Treaty. That's the one, right? Mm-hmm. They they yep. resumed construction in 1844, and Fort Blunder actually gets some gets some play. It's a it's a working base. You just actually me, Ben? No, I'm just saying actually. Like I'm surprised you that just it happened. Used the, okay, that's fair. All right. I, look, it's a living language. I'll speak how I want. I see, and as well you should. <laughs> and I will ask questions as I want. Do you? Are you one of those people who's intimidated by the use of the word "actually"? Or is it for me? It's when it's at the beginning of a sentence. It always means that. So why are you doing this? Yeah, it's sort of to me. It's a license to tune out whatever the person's about to say after that. So I actually appreciate it because it's kind of a context clue where you know whatever's going to follow is going to be pretentious and unhelpful. Like that old Dimitri Martin observation when he says, "I love bumper stickers." It's such a convenient way of saying let's never talk agreed <laughs> oh I, I i like bumper stickers they're just not for me they're not for me either no no i, I have a, a virgin car happy pride from tomboy x we just dropped our pride 24 collection queer founded queer run and creating size and gender inclusive underwear swimwear and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin visit tomboyx.com to shop when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. This is strange. You can see photos of Fort Blunder, uh, Fort Montgomery, excuse us. If you want to check out some close-up pictures, visit historiclakes.org where you can see uh, you can see the lay of the land. You can see the old map where they miscalculated everything. You can even see a sketch uh, about Blunder, um, which depicts the the structure we talked about earlier. I don't know if we talked about some of the features of the fort outside of the uh, the gun turrets or whatever, or the little windows. Um, but it did at one point stand forty eight feet high. The western facing wall was known as the gorge, and that was adjacent to a, a giant called uh, something called a cover face or an earthen bank, and that was created as a defensive aid for land attacks. And then it had a moat. I didn't realize this. I mean, it's very much like old school kind of castle type features, right? It had a moat, which was referred to as a wet ditch, which was filled with lake water. These days, it is not it is not looking so hot. It is quite worse for wear uh, because a lot of local, you know, kids and ruffians and biker gangs, you know, have uh, just tagged it all up. It uh, is actually for sale. If you're in the market, um, in the 1920s, the U.S. sold Fort Montgomery at an auction. And then in 1983, uh, Victor Pod, who is a shipping magnate from Montreal, that's when he bought it. Uh, and he offered part of the property to New York State as a historic preservation site. But New York did not want it. Uh, then Pod died in 99 and his sons inherited the fort and tried to sell it on eBay. And actually got one valid bid for five million bucks, but it fell through. Still for sale. I believe the current asking price is around a million bucks. That's a lot of depreciation. Really is. From 5.53, whatever, to 69. Nice. That's worse than like dealership depreciation. Like when you drive the car off the lot, you know? One million? One million. Not not even a million. 995,000. Ah, yeah. So from 5.5 million dollars and 69 cents to... Just under a million dollars. That's boat level depreciation. And, you know, hopefully a lesson learned. There's a great Atlas Obscura article about the current situation Fort Montgomery is encountering, which just says for sale, an abandoned decaying fort on a private island. It says decaying? Uh Uh-huh. And it is. You can see some great pictures. It's overgrown. There's graffiti all over it. There are probably, you know syringes. You don't think they would have gone in there and gussied it up a little bit like they do for real estate photos? You know, they're really not trying to upsell this thing, are they, Ben? No, no, they're not really because the the problem here is one of infrastructure, right? And it's still on the National Register of Historic Places, but every okay, everybody knows that it needs to be saved, but nobody's willing to uh, pony up the scratch and cheddar the itchy cheddar to uh, to support it. For instance, the Preservation League of New York State included this fort 
on its seven to save list in 2009, a roundup of at-risk historic sites that need uh, help. And according to Katie Peace, the communications director of the Preservation League of New York State, there are no current plans to rehabilitate the site. Uh, It joins the ranks of other historical places and objects of significance like the gunboat Spitfire, which was part of the American fleet uh, that contributed to the Saratoga victory in 1777, uh, or the John Van Hoosen House, which looks worse for wear, but is a um, early 18th century example of Dutch settlement along the Hudson. The Plum Bronson House, which is also just rapidly deteriorating. And the Magdalen Island, which has an ancient past as a stopping place for Native American populations or or First Nations and uh, Europeans who came later. The historic South Street Seaport, the Burden Ironworks Museum, those are the seven, but there are many, many more. And when you look around, whether it's in the U.S. or in other countries, I'm sure there's no shortage of decaying pieces of history that should be preserved. Like, have you ever driven through Tennessee? Yeah, a little bit, but not 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 a ton. Give me the scoop. Tennessee is uh, there must be some government program. I can say this because I, I have family there. There must be some government program to make sure that everybody has at least one to two decaying barns in their fields. And you can even see them when you just drive on the interstate. But I'm always baffled by that. You know what I mean? Because these barns are in use, but they're ready for one match to make them. Well, that, that's very up. similar to driving in some of the rural roads in uh, in Georgia, like between Atlanta and Athens, for example, or Augusta and Athens. Yeah, Lots yeah. of big open fields with just a single ramshackled barn in the middle, uh, and it looks like it's leaning kind of at a canted angle, like it could fall down with just a, a light breath of wind. Mm-hmm. Wiregrass country, especially if you drive. Uh, <laughs> this is an example for people who don't know how big this state is. Uh, especially driving from Atlanta to Savannah, down on Georgia's small Atlantic coast. Uh, have you made that drive? I have. It's been a minute, though. It's a long one. Mm-hmm. It's a long one, and it's not a particularly exciting one for some people. But it's what? It, how long is it? It's hours. From here to Savannah? From, yeah. from Atlanta? I believe it's about six hours. Six hours, yeah. Six long hours uh, full of full of history and full of things that look the worse for wear. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six x visit tomboyx.com i'm stephanie j block and i'm mary lee fairbanks and we host stages podcast binge close to 100 episodes hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business don't miss our chats with this season's tony nominees if you love theater and entertainment you are going to love stages podcast subscribe to stages podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net this is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating 
for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, it reminds me, whenever I travel somewhere, whether for work or whether for uh, personal reasons, I always try to find a local museum or an historic site. Uh, In Texas, recently, uh, super producer Paul Mission Control Deccan and I visited the Alamo. And, hey, check this out, man. I got something for you. Ben is now rummaging through his bag of tricks. Um Okay. Here yes. you go. I couldn't bring you the actual Alamo, but I found the I found a little fire. Hey, it's a pamphlet. It's a handbill for the Alamo. Well, I would um, say it's ephemera. Yeah, it absolutely is. Ben, <laughs> give me the rundown of the Alamo as I peruse this handbill. <laughs> so, so the thing that I think startled uh, both Paul and myself uh, was, and Paul, tell me if I get this wrong, is that when we went to the actual Alamo uh, and and went inside. It's free to attend, by the way. Everything was under restoration or construction work. And there were there were entire pieces of, of the building that needed to be saved, right, uh, that were off limits. And we, we didn't get to do a lot of the fun stuff. There's a reenactor who will uh, bilk you in a card game. We missed that. It was early in the morning, uh, but I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of that stuff, and I and I hope that I hope that we can, as a species, do our best to preserve the physical traces of those who came before us, whether that is a military fort, a vessel of note. Um, I, don't know. I see. Uh, there's a pretty big footprint for the gift shop here, Ben. Was it spectacular? Was it an above average gift shop? It was. It, you know, it was. It was. Uh, it was interesting. It's interesting. I I did not personally uh, pick up any gifts. I was there. I was there for the story. But they have all you know Texas branded stuff, uh, shot glasses, ashtrays, replica guns. You didn't take home flags. a piece of history. No, no, not this time. Uh, if if they were giving out actual pieces of the Alamo, I'd probably pick one up. But that would maybe defeat their purposes. But you know what? My friend, if ever I find myself on Fort Montgomery or Fort Blunder, I will pick up some pieces of history for us. Well, that's what we do here on Ridiculous History, Ben. We pe- we pick up the pieces of history. We put them back together like a veritable Rubik's Cube. And this ends our episode, but not... Uh... <sighs> It's time, gentlemen. 
Jonathan Strickland, a.k.a. The Quister. Jonathan Strickland, The Quister. It's good to be back, guys. You got a lot of nerve, my friend. I sure do. Just in general. Let's, let's just let's just uh, let's just establish this just for a moment, though, gentlemen. Uh huh. You're in my playground now because you're not in your normal studio. You're in my studio. That's true. That's true. We are. We so we have a number of studios here at HQ, and Jonathan, this is uh, one of the studios where you spend a lot of time recording. Uh, let's see, tech stuff. That's, sure. that's right. Yes, in your studio I record the brink, but in my studio I record <laughs> tech stuff. Yes, uh, and uh, you know I gotta say I love what you've done with the place. Thanks, thanks. You're, you're enjoying my butt groove right now. You're in my chair. I'm in your chair. That's, that's the chair I sit in. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I didn't think that. Th- Are we cool? Do you want to switch chairs? I'm fine with that. If we switch chairs, then you can see whether or not uh, the thing I'm about to tell you, if it's true or false. So <laughs> that's right. I'll, just, I'll just stay here. You're here for a reason, yes, you villain. the most cringeworthy segment in all of podcasting, where I present a scenario to the two hosts of Ridiculous History. And they determine whether or not I made it up or if it's a real one. And uh, I understand uh, we were talking about uh, things about borders and uh, mistakes about placing things, places where you may not actually own them. Mm -hmm. So this is uh, uh, somewhat related to that, but on the other side of the United States of America, the southern side. Have you ever wondered... Why Florida has a panhandle that seems to cut off the bottom of the state of Alabama? All the time, constantly. Keeps Mm. me up at night. Well, I have a scenario for you. You will have three minutes to decide whether or not it, in fact, is true or false. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we always have an arbitrary rule. And um, I didn't come up with one beforehand. So if you're going to ask me a question before you can ask it, you have to yell, Spring Break Rules, and then you can ask your question. Deal. Because it has to do with Florida and Alabama. Done. All right, here we go. It's because of a really bad map and some quote-unquote surveyors. After winning or purchasing territories from England, Spain, and France, the American government got down to the business of establishing states in the early 1800s. Originally, the colony of Georgia stretched much further to the west, but it was decided that part of that land would be created Uh, into the state of Alabama. The Chattahoochee River would serve as a border among much of the state line and would go all the way south. And a team of cartographers determined that the Gulf Coast of what would have been Alabama fell on the 31-degree latitude line. Here's the problem. The actual latitude line for the Gulf Coast is 30 degrees which meant that the map actually ended much further north than the Gulf Coast, but that's how it was written down. And because that's how it was written down in official documents, that's where the end of Alabama would be. And because of that error, Alabama does not have a Gulf Coast that stretches across its entire width. Instead, it just has Mobile Bay. Begin. Spring Break Rules! Oh, yeah, yes, Mr. Brown. Well, I've got to run to the timer. It's in the oh, other sorry. studio. Hang on! 
Okay, we're good. All right. We'll just take about five seconds off that. All right. Yes. Streaming rules. Yes, yes, Miss Brown. Uh, is this, does this have anything to do with the band Florida Georgia Line? It, it certainly has, no, as far as I know, and thank the heavens, has nothing to do with that band. Okay. Hmm. Spring break rules. Yes, Mr. Bowler. Uh, so, Quister, uh, mm. what you said it was the thirty? Um, a matter of confusing the thirtieth and the thirty-first. Yes, latitude. It, yes. Okay. Uh, and what year did this happen? It would have been the early eighteen hundreds. It's before Alabama was officially declared a state, which was, I think, I have this written down. It's eighteen. Hey, I hey, you're you're eating our time. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have the facts written down, but I didn't have it. Memor- Listen, I'm really much stronger on English history than American history. Uh, yes, but it was in the early 1800s. Okay. It was before before Alabama was made a state, and certainly much before Florida. Florida, I know, was 1845, which was much later. Okay. Ah. Uh... You got anything else, Noel? No, I I feel like I I feel like this is true. I think it's probably true as well, Ben. Want to lock it in? Let's lock it. Three, two, one. Lock. True. It's it's so not true. It's it's like winning doesn't even mean anything anymore. It's you're making me face an existential crisis here, gentlemen. Did you ever consider that maybe that's exactly our intent? Oh, well, I'm going to keep playing the game anyway. <laughs> all right. It's well, all I have. Well, let me tell you exactly what did happen, though. Yeah, that's just yeah. to give you the real story, because it's actually fascinating why okay. there's a panhandle. Yeah. So we have to keep in mind there were four major players involved. We have England, we have France, we have Spain, we have America. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, uh, before the American Revolution, you had England with the colonies that would become the United States of America. You had Spain that owned uh, uh, Florida, and that went as far – it w- could have gone as far west as the Mississippi. Okay. You had France that owned the Louisiana Territory that was much of the Midwest and the south of the, what would become the United States of America. Now, France and Spain were sort of in disagreement of where that border was along the southern edge, the Gulf Coast, and they eventually decided the Perdido River was the unofficial border, which is between Mobile Bay and Pensacola, Florida. Mm -hmm. And so they decided that was the border. But then a whole bunch of different stuff happened. Uh, England won the Seven Years' War. They took over Florida from Spain. Mm -hmm. Then Spain gave the Louisiana Territory to – or France gave the Louisiana Territory territory to Spain. Mm -hmm. This is what happens when I do the Renaissance Festival three days in a row. I can't (laughs) talk straight to anyone. So – Spain now has the Louisiana Territory. England now has Florida. Okay. England extends the Florida border all the way out to the Mississippi. So now the Florida's panhandle reaches much further to the west. I all right? see. All right. Then uh, America is revolting, you could argue, frequently throughout its history. But it ends up winning the Revolutionary War. England loses Florida. It goes back to Spain. So now Spain owns Florida, but now the border goes all the way to the Mississippi. Spain gives the Louisiana Territory back to France, Mm -hmm. which then turns around and sells it to the Americans. This would be really helpful with a whiteboard. Mm -hmm. Well, here's – or a lot of red string. So (laughs) – 
So here's what the Americans do. They say, well, we're buying the Louisiana Territory, but what we're going to do is we're going to refer to the Louisiana Territory back when this map was drawn where the Perdido River was the border. Okay. So they essentially tell Spain, oh, no, we bought the Louisiana Territory from like three times before. Wow. Spain said, uh, no. And then America (laughs) sent a bunch of troops down to the Gulf Coast and Spain said, all right. Fine. And then a few years later, Spain ends up surrendering Florida to the United States. And that is why Florida has a panhandle and Alabama has a very limited Gulf Coast. Well said. Mm. Well said. You know, I've always – it's fascinating because I think where I got got tripped up is as soon as you were talking about the – original size of the colony of Georgia. I know part of that is true. So yes. it's like, all right, fine. That's true. Yes. Uh, but I I probably should have listened um, <laughs> better. <laughs> Once you hear the first part, <laughs> that part's true. The rest of it's got to be I, right. I should probably not treat uh, these very important questions the way I treat group emails to right. everyone. Or, or any conversation with me, honestly. That's not true. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I listen pretty pretty in-depth. You know, I'm caught, I have my finger on the pulse of uh, – the Jonathan Strickland aspect of your life, by the way. <laughs> Congratulations on wrapping up the Renaissance Festival. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I I think it added about uh, uh, five years to the age that I already am, or perhaps you could say subtracted them from the end of my life either did, way. Did it get you right around the age you were supposed to be for your character, though? Because that's what really matters. <laughs> right around the age he was when he died, yes. Great. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Well – Take some, take some vitamins. Yes. Uh, look, you. I have unfortunate news. Mm. Uh, you can't die yet. Mm. Uh, Noel and I and all our friends listening at home need to at least get a little bit out of the hole, right? Right. Yes. I. I, I don't even know how many I'm ahead now. All right. Uh, but that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I was actually going to give you the true one originally, and then I thought, well, this one's it's so convoluted, but it's. Obviously true. <laughs> yeah, and we've been we've been exploring, and Noel, I think you said this at the top. We've been exploring a lot of stuff about boundaries and borders uh, recently. So this this was an excellent question, and you know, one of these days we're going to get one right. Mm. Well, uh, it's also it also really illustrates how how this is a sticky sticky situation. Even when you're looking at uh, borders between. Two areas in the same country. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's other stories about uh, uh, states that have had border disputes that had to be settled by Congress when they were actually establishing the states. And yeah, like the Ohio and uh, Michigan. Exactly, beef. like uh, like Ohio, Michigan, and that that little thin sliver. Who owns that? Yes. Yes. Who owns Toledo? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, Jonathan. Uh, without giving spoilers, because I know you got a lot of irons in the fire right now, uh, where can people visit to learn more about you, your work, and your shows? Well, certainly. You can go to techstuffpodcast.com to look at the more than 1,000 episodes of Tech Stuff Whoa. that I have recorded over the last 11 years. Is that recent? 1,000? It's 1,000. I'm almost up to 1,200 now. Okay, because I, I, I remember. Yes, no, I, I, I hit 1,000 last year. That's right. Well, actually, I guess two years ago. But yes, it's a um, – uh, we've been doing a lot of interesting work, especially around artificial intelligence and ethics and things of that nature. Not very historically mm-hmm. uh, oriented, but uh, I would recommend if you have any interest in the ethics of technology. Yeah, there's been quite a few episodes about that recently. 
Fantastic. And I, I ignore all of that when I come on here. <laughs> great. Mm. Great. Uh, keep uh, keep your characters like that off offspring song, right? Mm-hmm. Keep them separated. Exactly. But hey, hey, don't pay no mind. As we were saying earlier, this is the end of the episode, but not the show. And the conversation continues. We want to hear your thoughts. You can find us all on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, not Twitch. That's that's the thing you did. But Mm -hmm. Twitter, which is a different thing that sounds similar. Twitcher is my new platform that I'm starting. I like yeah. Twitter pated. It's sort of a Twitch Twitter hybrid. In fact, it's yes. exactly that. Yes, I, I think I have a physical tick that will make me an ideal influencer mm-hmm. on, on Twitcher. <laughs> you can get it on the ground floor. Mm, excellent. I like Thither. It's this startup I have uh, that's, that's it, it overlays your favorite GPS devices and gives you driving instructions in old English. <laughs> so it's it's a great prank gift for your friends. Oh, you were supposed to go thither, but you turned yawn. <laughs> a pox on your house, yes. <laughs> so you can find out more about our uh, our brilliant world-changing startups on our Facebook page, Ridiculous Historians, where you can meet our favorite part of the show, your fellow listeners. Uh, you can also follow our individual uh, misadventures and shenaniganry on Instagram. I'm at Ben Bolin. I am at How Now Noel Brown. Uh, I'm at John Strickland. No that H. With or without an H? No H. No H. Got it. He used to be uh, at No H, but it it's weird. Yeah, it's yeah just didn't know it, exactly. No one knew what the what the L was going on. Oh, it's No H. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. <laughs> I just thought. <laughs> it's been a long day. Mm-hmm. Uh, big thanks to our guest super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccan, who has been chilling with us all afternoon and is probably, uh, what do you think, Noel? You think he's tired of us yet? I don't know. He looks okay. He doesn't look too cranky. He's got a, a little wry smile on his face. I he think always he was, looks great. I think he was tired of you before you came in here, actually. <laughs> He has been working with you guys for a really long time. Right, right. Well, thank you either way, Paul. Also, thank you to super producer Casey LaBouche-Pegram, wherever he may roam. Uh, Big thanks to Alex Williams, who composed our theme. And thanks to friend of the show, Christopher Hasiotis. Thanks, as always, to Jonathan Strickland, a.k.a. The Quister. Uh, Thanks to our research associate, Gabe. And hey, Noel, thanks to you, man. Safe travels. And to you as well. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor. Gene was wounded. But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.